Hey, good morning, everyone. I, I, uh, as I was, we were worshiping this morning. I, I, I just want you to know this morning that we do have a good father. And I know there's so many times in our lives where we feel like failures. The, the thing I love about a relationship with Christ is that Jesus came to rescue us from all our failures, all the things we've done wrong in our lives. That's what we're going to talk about today. I, I think so many times, if you've been a follower of Christ for any length of time, we, we can kind of fall into this trap of, of trying to appease God by what I do. And we forget at times that it's not me doing it, that God is just a good father because he's just good. And he is perfect in all his ways. And I just want you to know that for, for those of you that maybe are just tired today from trying to be a Christian or do all the right things, how many you know you can do some right things in your own eyes for a couple of days and you're like, man, I'm feeling good. And then all of a sudden something just messes that all up and you feel like, man, I feel like such a failure. For those of you who have come into this place, for those of you that are watching online, thank you for joining us online. For those of you who feel like, you know, I've tried religion, I've, I've tried church so many times, and I, it's either let me down, or I feel like I let God down, or I feel like I don't measure up to, to what God thinks of me or wants from me. What we are going to learn today is that God does everything possible to reach us and to find us and to save us and to rescue us. It's not dependent on us. It's not dependent on me. Aren't you glad for that? If it was dependent on me to gain, God, to gain access to God through by what I, I do and, and I don't do, um, I would be a miserable failure in a moment. I want you to realize that God just loves you. He's done everything to reach you. Does that mean that God overlooks our failures or our sin? Absolutely not. But he's done everything possible to save us everything possible to forgive us, everything possible to rescue us. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at two groups of people who need, needed rescuing and the words of Jesus, they, they hung on those words because they were the ones that maybe were the rejects of society. We're going to look at another group of people that maybe thought they were too good in their own eyes. And so that the words of Jesus, um, they, they rebelled against those words they were critical against the words of Jesus because they thought they were all right. They didn't, they didn't need rescuing. They didn't think they were lost. But then there were others that realized we need to hear these words. We are lost. And those words were transformational to them that heard the words of Jesus. So I want you to hear the words of a good, good father. And at the end of the day, I want you to know this. Whatever you're going through today, whatever your struggles are today, God is still good. He's good. And he's perfect in all his ways. So, Father God, we just come before you today. We need to hear from you. We need to hear from your word today, God. There's so many things in this world that just trip us up. There's so many things that we do to trip ourselves up that cause us to lose our way. But, Jesus, you came to lead us back home. You came to show us the way to heaven that we couldn't find on our own or in our own strength, or in our own goodness. And I pray that our hearts would be open. I pray that we would have ears that would listen. Because for those that listen, and have a heart that is open, God, you will transform us. You will change us. So Lord, give us ears to hear, 
and a heart to hear what you would have us hear today. And we thank you for your word. And we just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, amen, amen. We are looking, we're in a series looking at the parables of Jesus. And basically we, we know that a parable is a story that just uh, unfolds a heavenly concept. And, and we know that probably a third of all Jesus' teachings were in the form of parables or in the form of stories. And so that's what we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. And so we're in, a, uh, we're in Luke chapter 15, and we're going to see this parable that Jesus talks about, uh, a lost sheep, lost coin, and then the lost son. And we're going to focus on those first two stories, the lost sheep uh, and the lost coin. And I want you to, as we jump into this parable today in Luke chapter 15, I know sometimes we can get caught up in the lost sheep, which there's an importance for why Jesus uses that illustration, or the lost coin, there's an importance for why Jesus uses that. But I want you to understand the purpose of the parable were for those that were listening. And there was basically four groups of people, or, or we can categorize them in two groups of people that were listening. You're going to have the sinners, and you're going to have the righteous that were listening. And so for those sinners that were listening, it was words of comfort. And, and, and for those that were righteous in their own eyes, it's not going to be so comfortable. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So as we read this, I want you to realize Jesus is sharing these stories with those that are listening, those that feel like they aren't lost, and those that feel like they could never be found. And so I want you to listen with those ears today, because not only is Jesus speaking those words to those that feel self-righteous and those that felt like they were just uh, lost to the point of of not being found, um, but he's also speaking to us here today. And I want us to hear what God says to us. So let's look at Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10. So let's first look at the parable of, of the lost sheep. It says, and, and here we kind of get the background of who's listening. So he says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Sounds like a rap group, doesn't it? The notorious <laughs> sinners, right? Um, and, and I want you to re- realize why they use these words. I mean, listen to what they're saying here. It, it, it's, it's not a point of maybe judgment. It's a point of here are the, here are the two groups of people. So you've got these notorious sinners, and then others came to listen to Jesus teach. But this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the, of the uh, religious law complain that he was associated with such sinful people, even eating with them. <gasps> Jesus was eating with these notorious sinners. So then Jesus, in this setting, he knows the hearts. He knows who's listening. Listen to what he says. Jesus tells him this story. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, will he joyfully carry it home on his shoulders? God is such a loving God. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Ouch, for those that are listening. Parable of the lost coin. He says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, 
Will she call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. This is the word of the Lord. May we hear what God is saying to us today. So I, I, I want to I dig into what is Jesus saying here? What is the purpose of these two parables? Well, anytime I think of the parable of the lost sheep, and I remember hearing the story even when I was a little kid, we were raised raised at church, and I always remember hearing the story, and, and this vivid um, picture comes into my mind when I hear the, the the, you know, the story of the good shepherd or the story of the lost sheep. And I've got a picture here. This is actually the church I grew up in. This is the stained glass window when you walk into the forum before you walk into the sanctuary of, of, of Jesus holding this, this lamb, being uh, the good shepherd. And this is just a good fond memory I have of a little kid. And this, I haven't been in that church in like 40 years, but I always remembered this picture. And this is actually how I picture Jesus. He's a good shepherd who will leave the 99 to find the one that is lost. And I want you to realize that's the heart of God. See, what's interesting about this picture, before Christians associated the cross as a symbolic gesture for Christians or a symbolic meaning for, um, for Christians, this was the symbol. The symbol originally for Christians was a shepherd holding a lamb or having a lamb around his neck for this purpose. Jesus came for lost people, which every single one of you and I are lost. And so when I look at this picture, it reminds me of the grace of God and the lengths and the depths that God has gone through to reach us. I like this um, picture because it, it gives me comfort. The picture with Jesus on the lamb is precisely the image that Jesus wants us to see. This is what he wants us to see. What a beautiful picture of God's grace towards us. And this is why Jesus came. We see the love and care of Jesus for the lost. And Jesus comes into this earth to bring us back home. The shepherd leaves the 99 to find that one lost sheep who was all alone, harassed, open to pray, to find that one to bring it to safety. That's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. So what I want to do is let me give you the background of these, of these, of these two stories and tell you uh, what is the purpose here and why Jesus shares these two stories. So in verse 1, we see, we see, the, we see the, you know, the tax collectors, the notorious sinners. We see the Pharisees who are listening. We see the religious law teachers and, who are trying to judge Jesus. Uh, one group, heard something they needed to listen to. The other group thought they were good. They didn't need to hear this. They were there to criticize. So you've got one group that came to listen, and you've got one group who came to critique the words of Jesus. You have one group who is non-judgmental, and you've got the other group who is offended and judging Jesus and calling him a sinner. See, the words of Jesus either brought comfort to the afflicted or to afflict the comforted. Have you ever heard that? In many sense, that's what happens. The words of Jesus do, the, do the, just that. It brings comfort to the afflicted, but those who don't want to hear are resisted. Uh, it brings affliction to the comfort, comforted. And that's exactly Jesus' point here. That's exactly the point. 
He's going to bring comfort to those who really need to hear it, those that have been marginalized, those that were called sinners, those that have been judged by the so-called righteous. And then he comes to point out the righteous that you're just as lost. So you have two groups of people. You've got the sinners the tax collectors, and you've got the so-called righteous people who are, who are supposedly living by God's law, added to God's law, looks great in front of everybody else. The religiosity was uh, on display for everybody to see. So you've got these two polar groups, and this group over here thinks they are nothing like this group over here, but what Jesus is saying in the story is, uh-uh, you're a lot more close than you ever thought you were. Don't start separating yourself. Don't put yourself in a different class here. Because this is exactly who Jesus came for. So let's look at these four groups of people. Let, let's understand who they were. Well, you had the tax collectors. And basically, they represented the Roman government. They collected tolls, customs, and tariffs. So they had a horrible reputation of just being dishonest. They would use ex, you know, extortion. They were seen as traitors. To say the least, they were not well-liked. They were actually hated is a better word. So they were seen as traitors uh, working for, for Rome and working for the government. So they weren't like, then you have the sinners. And the sinners, the Pharisees defined them as anyone who failed to keep God's law as they saw it. Which basically meant everyone besides them, and they included Jesus in the list of sinners because he had dinner with them. And if you associated with them uh, or ate dinner with them, then they just automatically attached you with them. And so they included Jesus in that list of, of sinners. Then you had the Pharisees. Well, the Pharisees, they were middle-class businessmen and synagogue leaders. They believed in personal piety. They were conservative and believed and held in high esteem the law of God. They were very moral, yet Jesus exposed their religious heart. They were very moral on the outside, but in the inside they were very self-righteous and judged everybody else according to their rules and their laws. And so Jesus showed them that they were more in love with their rules than people or God. So they want to make sure everybody else stood up or, or were held up to their uh, uh, rules, and then they judged everybody else who, who didn't hold up to their standards. Then you have the teachers of the law, and they were scholars of the Old Testament law and how to apply the law to everyday life. They also preserved uh, the scriptures. So on the surface, you had these two polar op. It seems you would have these two polar opposite groups. You have the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the tax collectors, and the sinners. Here's who Jesus is talking to. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law thought they were nothing like the tax collectors or the sinners. And so what Jesus does is he actually uses this situation to show that we're all lost without Christ. So the religious thought their goodness made them right before God, and they didn't need to repent before God. And Jesus points out their lostness. And this, this makes no sense to them because they don't feel like they're lost. They felt that by their own set of righteous standards that they were okay before God. And Jesus points out to them that they are just as lost as the sinners that he was speaking to because they compared their righteousness to the sinners around them. Have you ever done that compared your life to other people? We all have, okay? We all have, haven't we at times? And, and here's the problem. What they were doing is they were comparing their righteous standard by the sinner, right? And so they felt pretty good about themselves. You ever felt that way about yourself? Say, hey, I feel pretty good because this person's a lot worse off than I am until you meet someone who's a lot better than you are and then you don't feel so good about yourself. And so when Jesus comes, he, he pokes them. 
He pokes the, the religious and he exposes their heart. And so they didn't like this very much. So there's going to be a lot of criticism towards Jesus because he's exposing their true motives. And so for the sinner, Jesus' words would be wonderful news. However, his words would be a stumbling block for the righteous because they felt like they didn't need to be found. So what I want you to see in these two parables is the urgency that Jesus speaks of here. Because when you know that something is lost of great value, you will drop everything to find it. This is the urgency that God has for us, that he's done everything possible to reach us and to lead us back home. See, Luke chapter 15 is very insightful because within these three stories, you have the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. See, the thing that was lost was of great concern. There's this heightened sense of urgency to find that which was lost. Everything else was dropped at this point. Everything else is dropped at at, at this point to find that very thing that was lost. Now, here's the thing about that lost sheep. You would think to yourself, well, you know, what's the big deal? Because us looking at this story now, we probably think, well, this isn't a big deal because the shepherd had 99 others. What's the big deal if you lose one? You know, you still have got 99 others. What's the big deal? But for that shepherd, that one lost sheep was all important because he knew that one, that one lost sheep could lose its life to pray. See, that's why Jesus is the good shepherd because he's willing to lay his life down for his sheep. I love this story. I think with us, we, we get a Western mindset of uh, pasture lands because we live here in the Northeast and it's really green. Aren't, aren't you getting ready to, to smell that mowed grass? In about five months, we'll get to do that, right? It's there somewhere underneath all the snow. I love, there's nothing, are you like me? Isn't there nothing, isn't there just that wonderful smell of fresh cut grass? Are some of you like me, like when I get, I, I do, I have a small yard, but I don't care. I still have, it's not a very big yard, but I love having my riding lawn tractor. It's just, I know it's lazy. I don't, I really could probably push it, but it's just serenity now moment for me. Because my kids are like, Dick, can I ride the lawn tractor? No, 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 no. You push. I ride. You get some exercise. I'm old. I need it. And there's nothing like that fresh cut grass. So we have this, you know, if, if you go on Turk Hill Road, uh, in Parrington, they have the, if you've ever seen the huge farm with all those sheep and you drive by, it's so cool. And they're all penned in and they're in their own little grazing area. That's nice. But that's not how it is in the East. That, that's not how it is in Middle, in, in Middle Eastern countries. The, the shepherd would literally have to take his sheep to find pasture lands. So obviously, this would expose the sheep to prey to, to, to other animals that would want to kill them. And so the shepherd, a good shepherd, would literally lay his life down for his sheep. Now, what's interesting about this story, I love this, uh, about the good shepherd. What he would do at night, he would find a, a pen to bring his sheep in. Normally, that pen was made of stone. And so he'd bring the sheep in at night. They would follow. They knew the shepherd's voice. And there was an opening in the front of the gate. There was no gate, but there was an opening. And when he would bring his, his sheep into safety for the night, what he would do is a good shepherd would sleep in the opening of the gate, protecting his sheep from anyone that would dare to try to come in and steal one of his sheep. 
That's the way Jesus sees us. He sees us as his own that he gave his life for. And he's done everything possible to come and rescue us. See, the importance of the 99 is not whether or not there's 99. The importance is there's one lost sheep. And that one lost soul is of all valuable, God sees it as so valuable and so important that we can never lose focus of that one lost soul. And so that good shepherd would leave everything, drop everything to find that one sheep. And when he does, and when he does, there's a party, there's rejoicing because they found that one lost sheep. What's interesting about the coins is that the 10 coins represent, it's really jewelry that a woman would wear around her neck. This actually, these represent a dowry that was given to her at her wedding, at her wedding day. And really was for, for that woman, this was her security. This was her, really her retirement because many men, you know, didn't live to, to, to the ripe old age of the 70s or 80s, you know, it, 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 you know the, the, the length of living was not long. And, and many times women would lose their husbands. This was her security if her husband passed away. So if she would lose one coin, it could be devastating to her future and to her security. So what she would do is she would drop everything and search for that one coin because she knew how important that one coin is. And when she found it, what does Jesus say? When she finds it, she lets all her friends know. And there's great rejoicing for that one lost coin that was found. The coin meant everything to her. And so what Jesus wants us to understand, to be lost means to be destitute. To be lost means to be destitute. And we need to be found. Jesus comes into our world into our lostness to lead us home because we are all destitute. We can't be like the religious and say, well, we've got it all together and it's through my own goodness that I can find God. Jesus says, if that's your attitude that you think you can do it on your own, you are lost. And then for those that feel like they are, that they, that they cannot be rescued, Jesus says, oh yes, you can be. Oh yes, you can be. That those that come to me, when one repents and comes to me, there's a great party that happens in heaven because which was lost, which was found. I don't know why we, why we do this. Why do we hide our sins or we think we can hide our sins from God? Have you ever felt that like, I knew I need to pray and there's some things maybe I've done wrong and God, I want to confess these things to you, but I just don't want to because I'm embarrassed or whatever. And, and God's like, Barton, I already know your heart. Why are you hiding these things from me? See, what God does is says, you give me these things because I want you to come to me to be found again. So when we, can, when we confess that sin to the Lord, what God does is he doesn't reject us. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't push us further and deeper into a dark cave. What he does is he brings us out into the light and he forgives us and he heals us because no longer are we lost in that sin. We are now found and we can find forgiveness and hope in Christ Jesus, because he's done the work for us. Those that are lost feel like they can do it themselves. There's not enough penance. Listen, there's not enough penance that you could ever do in your life to appease a holy God. The reason for the urgencies 
in these stories is for, is for destitution. To be lost means to completely be destitute. So for those that are listening to Jesus, they would get it. Now for us listening, we, we needed to unpack it a little more. But for those that were listening, they knew that sheep, if it was out there by itself, without, without the good shepherd, it's lost, could die. Woman that lost that coin could mean her future. So they understood how destitute they could be if they lost that thing. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. That we are destitute and lost without a savior. And so what Jesus does is he gives up everything. Gives up heaven. Comes down to where we live into our messiness, into our darkness to lead us home. That's why I love the words that Jesus gives to his disciples when they're worried about, Jesus, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? In John 14. And Jesus says, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also me. For in my Father's house are what? Many rooms, many dwelling places, many mansions, many fishing shacks, many whatever you, whatever it's enjoyable, it's there. I've got a dwelling place for you and there's no vacancy sign in heaven and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus came to lead us home. So for those that feel completely lost in this world, Jesus has the greatest news for you that have come to lead you home. See, this world just stinks at times, doesn't it? it just, it's hard and it's messy and we all go through problems and we can get so lost in the darkness of this world that we forget that Jesus came into this dark world to eventually lead us home into that heavenly home to live with him forever. And that's what helps us to get through this world. But if I don't recognize my lostness, I will never find that freedom that Jesus ultimately wants to give us of someone, of a sinner who's come home and found forgiveness. Have you ever, have you ever lost um, your wallet or your purse? What do you do? Just say, you know what? It'll show up. You know what? It, it'll, it'll come around, right? It's, it's going it's to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to pray about it. Lord, just let, right? No, I know you, you're, we're, we, you get panicked, right? You're like, oh, my credit cards are in there. I got, you know, blah, blah. And, you know, it, it, maybe you lost your child. Um, that's happened to us a couple times. We have three children. Um, we've lost Wesley on occasions. Um, not really lost him, but at church, my wife and I would drive separately. A couple times when Wesley was really young, uh, we left him at church because, you know, I thought he was with Kathleen. Kathleen thought she was with me. And, and the, the sad part about us, I think we've done, did this about eight times. I don't know why we... Um, so, you know, and, and, you know, the Eliasons, Rusty and Eliasson would always give me a call like, hey, how are you guys doing? You got everybody? Yeah, we're doing fine. Uh, you sure? And you hear this crying in the background. And you hear Miss Amy consoling Wesley. They still love you. Your parents still love you. They do. They, they do care about you. So Wesley's still in therapy over that today. But we're working through it. We're getting through it. Right? Listen, if, if, if you lose something of great impo- importance, you drop everything. You drop everything to find it. See, that's how important our lives are to God. That he drops everything to find us because we're destitute without him. We're destitute without him. What caused us to be destitute and lost in ourselves was our sin. 
You see, Jesus didn't come to this earth just to make you a better person or to be an addition to your life or just say, you know what, I like some of Jesus' teaching. He's a pretty cool guy, so I'll just kind of add, you know, he can be an addition or a part of my life. No, Jesus wants to be every part of your life, all of your life. And until we recognize the lostness of our soul with, without Jesus, we're never going to find. We're never going to find true life. We're never going to tr- find forgiveness. That's what Jesus came to do because we we're destitute, because of our sin. See, this is the magnitude of which Jesus wants us to understand in these parables. We are lost. We will never find Christ until we grasp that understanding of our lostness. The reason Jesus came to earth, his purpose for coming was to seek and save that which was lost. That's why these parables are so imperative for us to understand. The very people that the Pharisees judged were the same people Jesus came for. That is what is so disheartening about these stories for those that were listening and rejected Jesus. Because what Jesus is saying to those that were the sinners and the tax collectors, the Pharisees are too busy over here trying to look good in themselves and judging those who didn't meet their standards. And Jesus is saying, no, these are the very people that I actually came for. And I want you to remember, we can never forget that. See, Jesus reached out to the sinner, ate dinner with them, gave them hope for redemption. And so what Jesus does is Jesus uses these stories to open our eyes to the seriousness of our lost condition. Not just the sinner, but the religious. So what's the point? What's the point of these stories? Here's the point. Here's the point. God is joyful. He's exuberant. He's ecstatic. There's even a party in heaven when one sinner comes home. And the other thing I want you to realize about these stories is God is relentless in his pursuit of us. He is relentless in our pursuit of us. Listen, I I want us as a church, living word, to never forget our purpose as a church. We exist for people who have not yet come in to the family of God. That's why we exist. We don't exist for ourselves alone. If we do that, we will dry up and we, we will cease to exist and our passions will drive up when we are too worried about our own comforts and what we want and what our pleasures are and what our, what our desires are. Listen, we've got to be careful that we don't forget our calling. So when we look at the world, how do we look at the world? Do we look at the world as people as only inconveniencing us? Do we look at people as an interruption to our lives? Or do we look at them as people that Jesus actually died for, that he desires us to reach? Listen, I don't like what happens in the world. I don't like to see what's going on in the world because I know it hurts people. You don't think that hurts the heart of God? When he sees the same thing, the people that reject his love and his compassion for them, you don't think that hurts the heart of God? Listen, don't see people as a project. See people for the very people that Jesus died for. 
May that be our passion and our calling as a church. Jesus' commandment and commission to us is to go into all the world and make what? Disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's our purpose. So when, when someone, listen, listen, when someone um, irritates you, right? And they will, because I irritate people, so I know that. I know it's true, right? Just remind yourself, Jesus, you died for this irritating person that's in my life, right? You died for them. Give me your heart for this world. Let me, let me never forget that when one sinner comes home, there's rejoicing in heaven. What makes heaven rejoice is when sinners come home, when they repent and they come home and they come to Christ. I want heaven to rejoice over what living word is doing and how it's doing the will of God. So for your neighbors and for your, you know, in-laws, outlaws, whatever they are, whatever, whatever it is. And listen, remember, remember, these are the very people that Jesus died for. And I know it's easy. Listen, it's so easy because it's much, for me, I'm just going to say me, it's much easier to get in this camp of self-righteousness and point the finger over there than to realize that I'm a lost person that Jesus came for. And I'm just as lost as anyone else without a Savior. See, there's a lot of humility when it comes to that. And so we humble ourselves before the Lord and realize, I don't deserve a thing that you've given me, God. I haven't merited your grace. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. You demonstrated your love towards us that while we were still sinners and lost, Jesus died for us. So may God just break our hearts, humble us again, and give us a fresh vision for our world. Amen. For your neighbors, for those that you work with, for your for your relatives. And and you know, when I was praying this morning, I said, God, let me pray for those that have hurt me the, the most. Because sometimes we hold on to that, don't we? It's so easy to do that. Let me, let me pray for those that, that we tend to see or we categorize as the enemy right in our world. And so it's easy to do, isn't it? May I pray for them that you would reach them and break my heart and not allow me to fall into a pharisaical, self-righteous attitude that does nothing for the kingdom of God. God, change us in this way. So Father God, as we just bow our hearts before you today, May we reflect on why you came. May we first look into our own hearts. That God, we are lost just like anyone else. That we need a Savior. That we need forgiveness. And Lord, help us to be who you desire us to be in this world for those that irritate us, for those that we may count as an enemy. God, break our hearts and realize that God, you came for souls that you left the 99 to reach that one. God, help us never to forget that. Those that might feel marginalized, that, that feel like they are on the outside looking in, God, break our hearts for that. 
And may we be people that are used by you through your love and your compassion through this world. And that does not mean that you ever overlook the atrocities in this world or the sin in this world. But I thank you, Jesus, that you bore that sin on your back, on your shoulders, that anyone can find forgiveness through Christ Jesus our Lord. So thank you for these these stories. God, I pray this week that we would see those opportunities not to see people as an interruption, but to see people as a ministry, as an opportunity to show your grace and to show your love. Grip our hearts with that message. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.